when Kathy, uh, during offering, Kathy came up to me and she said, there is an honest to goodness lay reader this morning. So I don't know what you've done to make her think you're an honest to goodness lay reader, but thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, we're gonna, I want to introduce you to something that I, may be new to some of you. To some of you, you probably know more about this than I do. But uh, before we get started on uh, my sermon, I want us to have a time of prayer together. And I want us to do this prayer that's called Lectio Divina. Has anybody ever heard of that or practiced that? Lectio Divina simply means divine reading. And it's a way of praying and reading scripture kind of at the same time. And so what I'll do is I will read this short passage of scripture three times. The first time I'll read it, I'll have you just close your eyes and listen. And then we'll take about 30 seconds of silence uh, for you just to kind of hear it in your head, you know, like just I've read it. Your eyes are closed. Now you're picturing the story. Then I'll read it again. And the second time through, pay attention to see if there is a word or phrase that jumps out at you. So the 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 language that is talked about is a word or phrase that shimmers, kind of like that little animal I was playing with earlier, like. Uh, It just kind of shimmers for you or jumps out in bold. And then uh, we'll have about 30 seconds after that. And then I'll read it again for you to hear it and pay attention to that shimmering word or phrase. And then we'll have 30 seconds to a minute for you to ponder and meditate on that word or phrase and what it is that God may be saying to you by having that jump out at you. Does that make sense? I I hope so. If not... um, do it anyway, I guess. I was like, oh, this isn't really the time for me to like teach more about that. But, oh man, it's one of those mornings. This is a pretty uh, familiar passage to you. It's the story of Moses and the burning bush. So take a deep breath, close your eyes. Moses was taking care of the flock for his father-in-law Jethro, Midian's priest. He led his flock out to the edge of the desert, and he came to God's mountain called Horeb. The Lord's messenger appeared to him in a flame of fire in the middle of a bush. Moses saw that the bush was in flames, but it didn't burn up. Then Moses said to himself, Let me check out this amazing sight and find out why the bush isn't burning up. When the Lord saw that he was coming to look, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, I'm here. Then the Lord said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground. He continued, I am the God of your father, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So this time through, you'll pay attention to see if there's a word that feels like it's bold or shimmering for you. 
Moses was taking care of the flock for his father-in-law, Jethro, Midian's priest. He led his flock out to the edge of the desert, and he came to God's mountain called Horeb. The Lord's messenger appeared to him in a flame of fire in the middle of a bush. Moses saw that the bush was in flames, but it didn't burn up. Then Moses said to himself, let me check out this amazing sight and find out why the bush isn't burning up. When the Lord saw that he was coming to look, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, I'm here. Then the Lord said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground. He continued, I am the God of your father, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Moses was taking care of the flock for his father-in-law Jethro, Midian's priest. He led his flock out to the edge of the desert, and he came to, the, to God's mountain called Horeb. The Lord's messenger appeared to him in a flame of fire in the middle of a bush. Moses saw that the bush was in flames, but it didn't burn up. Then Moses said to himself, let me check out this amazing sight and find out why the bush isn't burning up. When the Lord saw that he was coming to look, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, I'm here. Then the Lord said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground. He continued, I am the God of your father Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. That's a practice that you can do at home anytime you want. Just find a passage of scripture, a story that you like, or a new, some new passage to you, and read through it several times, and just kind of pay attention to what it is that God is trying to say to you through that. And sometimes um, it's really powerful, and other times it's not. But I 
I'm a firm believer that putting ourselves in a place to be able to hear from God enables us to hear from God more. So anyway, I have one quick thing I want to say before I start my sermon. Um, after the service, as you're all gathering around out there, eating stuff, what, I, don't, I don't even know what's going to be left, but whatever's out there, as you're grabbing coffee and water and visiting with friends and stuff, there's, good, there's a table back by the coffee. And on that table are these books. And there will be somebody sitting there to give them to you, probably Mike Wilson. I need every uh, family in the church to pick up one of these books. It's called Practicing Extravagant Generosity by Bishop Robert Schnazy. Um, stop by and pick one up. We have enough out there for one per family. But if some of you don't share very well Pete Tyranny, you might want to get one for Linda, because Linda may not share very well. You thought I was talking about you, but I know you share well, Pete. And so uh, go by and pick up one or two of these books, depending on how well you share. Um, in a few weeks, we're going to start a sermon series called Taking the Next Step. And it's about being generous and giving and how we give and why we give and what our money goes to do when we give, uh, whether it's to the church or some other place. And the, dis the discipline, the spiritual discipline of generosity and why we do that. And so in two weeks, I'll start that sermon series. So the 20th, which is my birthday, we're doing Rapping with Ross. And so I'm, I'm already accepting gifts. Um, if, you're, if you're interested, I, I'm accepting them now. Um, but anyway, um, bring uh, start on the next week, you'll want to start reading this book. So that you'll be in line with everybody else in the church. And my sermons are going to be roughly based on the Sundays that are within this book. It's a four-week-long book, short readings every day. I've read through it a couple of times, and it's really good. I think you'll enjoy it, and that you and your family will be blessed by it. So be sure you grab those. It's pretty important. Okay, Christmas is over. Who has their Christmas lights down? Who's going to leave them up until Easter? You know, Jeff Foxworthy said you might be a redneck if you trip over your Easter lights hunting, uh, trip over your Christmas lights hunting Easter eggs. So mine came down yesterday. Uh, our house looks a little bare. The tree is gone. All that stuff is down. Anybody else having that experience where you're kind of like, ah, it's really over now. So um, yesterday was technically the end of Christmas. Christmas is 12 days starting on the 25th. Yesterday was the end of Christmas, which makes today a holiday. Anybody know what holiday today is? Bunch of church nerds in here. Now, here's the next test, Jim. What does epiphany mean? And? It means, it means that's the 13th day after Christmas? That's a good answer. So epiphany essentially means, um, it essentially means, let me see what I wrote here. Showing or shining forth. It's this idea that on the, the 13th day, we recognize in Christianity, now this isn't historically accurate, but we recognize within Christianity that we understand Jesus is the light of the world that is shining forth. And that who this baby was that was born is something that is life-changing for us. Let me read to you a passage of scripture. I preached from this a few weeks ago, and I'm going to preach from it again today. It's a different sermon, I promise. You'll let me know if it's not. I'm sure of it. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the territory of Judea, during the rule of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. 
They asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east and we've come to honor him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled and everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. He gathered all the chief priests and the legal experts and asked them where the Christ was to be born. They said, in Bethlehem of Judea. For this is what the prophet wrote. You, Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means are you least among the rulers of Judah, because from you will come one who governs and will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and found out from them the time when the star had first appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you found him, report to me so that I too may go and honor him. When they heard the king, they went, and look, the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. Falling to their knees, they honored him. They opened their treasure chest and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Because they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country by another route. When the Magi had departed, an angel from the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod will soon search for the child in order to kill him. Joseph got up and during the night took the child and his mother to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod died. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I have called my son out of Egypt. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> the rabbis tell the story of, the, of Moses and the burning bush as a miracle story. So do we, right? If you were walking across the desert out here and you saw a creosote bush burning, like on fire, but it wasn't burning up, you would think you had, well, probably you would think you had eaten some moldy bread and you were hallucinating or something. But if you had come to your senses and you were actually seeing what was happening, you would recognize that you were actually witnessing a miracle, right? Well, the rabbis teach that that wasn't the miracle, the miracle was that Moses saw the burning bush. That he actually was looking. Because we walk through this world all the time and are experiencing God all around us in conversations we have with people and things that we witness and sounds that we hear when we look at the Oregon Mountains with snow on top of them and the sunset shining on them. We witness God's movement and action all around us but the thing is, sometimes we just miss it. We don't see it. For whatever reason, we haven't put ourselves in a place to be able to see it. Moses, miraculously, was looking for God. Now, I don't know if that's a miracle or not, but it kind of seems that that's the way it works for us. Right? And the other thing that I think that there's a parallel between this story of the Magi or the wise men, or the stargazers, or whatever we want to call them, and Moses, is that Moses and, the, and, and these magi from the east were paying attention. We don't know if the magi were worshipers of the same God that we worship or not, but we know that God spoke to them, and we know that they were paying attention, and we know that they knew that there was this thing, this person that was going to be born called the Messiah. 
We don't think they were very good Jews if they were Jews because they had no idea where the Messiah was to be born. And any good Jew of the time would have told you in the city of David, which is Bethlehem. So we're not quite sure where they fell on the religious spectrum, probably the way most Americans fall on the religious spectrum, which is just just on it. <laughs> you know, like culturally Christian, but that's about it. But they were watching. They were paying attention. They knew something was happening and they started following whatever it was that was calling them to a place. There was a voice speaking out whether they could hear it or not and they were following the voice. Joseph was doing the same thing. Was following a voice. Think about Joseph and his life. He's a carpenter by trade of some sort. Maybe a stonemason, maybe a wood carpenter. But he's a builder of sorts. And he gets engaged to this girl that he falls in love with, eventually at least. It was an arranged marriage. And as I tell my kids all the time, I would pick really good husbands for them. I'm confident of that. They would be smart and really good looking and talented. And I would like them. And, and I would pick great husbands. They don't believe me. They feel like they should be able to pick for themselves. But Joseph and Mary had an arranged marriage. And once they had become engaged and betrothed to be married, Mary came up pregnant and it wasn't Joseph's child. His, his plan wasn't working out. He didn't want things to go down that way. But God spoke to him. And he listened. And he followed the will of God. So she's about to have the baby. And the next thing they know, they have to go to another town that they don't live in so that they can be counted, so that they can pay taxes. It's a big burden just to have to pay taxes, but they did it, right? And so they're going along and she, story, you know, myth has it that she's on the donkey and he's like leading the donkey along and she's pregnant, about to have her baby. And he wants to take care of his wife and this new child that he's going to father. And they get to the town where they're supposed to be and there's so many people there, they can't find a proper and, and play, a good place for her to lay down and have this baby. And so they end up having their baby born in a barn. Not his plan. I'm sure he would have preferred to stay at home and have a midwife of sorts come and help with this situation, but that is not what happened. But God speaks to him through some shepherds who show up. And he goes home with his wife and his newborn child, and he's going about his business, and he's probably pondering like, God, this is the craziest thing. I never expected my life to go quite like it is. And this child, like we took the child to the, to the synagogue, and this lady who's known as a prophet said some stuff, and this guy that's known as a prophet said some other stuff. It's just this wild thing, and he's like hammering out some stone or carving out some wood or something. And then the next thing you know, he goes home and some magi, some wise men from the east, show up at his house and start offering gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, really expensive gifts that they give to this baby. Who has that happen? He's blown away. And he goes to bed that night, and the thing he does not want to happen happens. God talks to him. In a dream, it says, take your baby to Egypt because Herod's on the hunt for him. Sometimes life doesn't work the way we want it to. Right? 
I think that's a common human experience. Raise your hand if your life has gone exactly the way you always hoped it would in every situation. Like, it doesn't, right? Like, it just never always works. Like, there are situations you're like, man, that was great. Worked out perfectly. But then there are times that we fall into this place where we're like, what the heck is going on? I live in Las Cruces, New Mexico. I never thought I would. And then you find out it's great. And there's this great church there, right? The pastor, we don't know. This guy, Stuart, we definitely know. But it's an amazing thing how God continues to work. We call these epiphany moments, right? Where we're in a dark spot and we come out of it into the light. And we call that an epiphany moment. And they happen over and over in our lives. And that's what we celebrate on this day is that the Magi had an epiphany moment. Their lives were changed. And Joseph had an epiphany moment. His life was changed. And it just goes on and on and on throughout the story. Moses did it. Joseph did it. Abraham did it. Isaac did it. Jacob did it. Rachel did it. Esther did it. Everybody has these experiences in their life. In 2008, I uh, quit my job as a youth pastor. I loved that job. And I... That's the only job that I know for sure in my life that I was really good at. And I quit that job, and Michelle quit her job, and we sold our house, and we took our, let's see, eight-month-old baby and three-year-old little girl to Denver, Colorado, so I could go to graduate school where we didn't know a single person. And we got up there, and the plan was for me to go to school full-time and work part-time and for Michelle to teach, but she had a hard time getting her teacher's license in Colorado because she couldn't pass the background check. Not because she couldn't pass the background check, by the way. Because for some reason, they couldn't read her fingerprints, and it just delayed the process so long that she wasn't able to get a job teaching, and so she had to start substituting, which was she didn't make nearly as much money and me working part-time, I was, I was just dependent on the, the contractor that I was working for, whether he had work or not. And our savings started dwindling. Michelle's car broke down a couple of times. My truck, which had never broken down on me, broke down a couple of times. We were having to pay rent in Denver, Colorado, which is not cheap. And our savings was just going down and down and down and down. And I was starting to panic. And then this thing happened. There was, they called it a blizzard, Vern, in Denver. Can you imagine? And, and uh, so they were on the radio and on the news saying there's a blizzard that's going to come. We're expecting like the, the snowpocalypse to happen. And uh, you need to make sure you have at least $100 of cash and that your propane bottle should be full. And if you have a fireplace, make sure you have wood. I was freaking out. I'm a desert kid. I didn't know what was going to happen. So I made sure my propane tank was full. I made sure we had some money. And then I went with my three-year-old daughter, Elise, to this place to buy some firewood. And you pull up onto a scale, and they weigh your truck with you in it. And then you go off, and you load the truck up with firewood, and then you come back over the scales, and they weigh your truck, and then they hit a horn when you can pull off, and then you go in and pay. And so... Elise thought this was an amazing thing, and we get out of my truck to go in to pay. I turn it off. We get out, go in to pay. I pay. I come back out and get in, and my truck won't start, and I lost it. I was like, this is not the plan. 
God, you called me to this ministry and I've been taking these steps that you've been leading me along and I got up here and it's cold and it's snowing and I don't know what this is going to be like. I have a feeling it's going to be kind of like Cormac McCarthy's The Road. It's actually going to be the apocalypse and I got to figure out a way to get back to New Mexico because that's where people I know and trust are and I'm running out of money and this isn't the way it was supposed to work. I was freaking out for real. And I called Michelle and I said, hey, my truck's not starting. I don't know what I'm going to do. We're running out of money. We can't afford to get this stupid thing fixed again. And I think when this weekend, we're just going to pack up and we're going to head back to Carlsbad. And I'm just going to get a job working in the oil field because I can make some money doing that. And we'll reevaluate and maybe try this some other way. And Michelle said, Ross, we didn't quit our jobs and sell our house and you didn't move us up here for things to get a little bit hard and you to quit and send us back. Get your truck started and get home. You have homework to do. So, I did. And it never got a whole lot easier. But what happened were I would have these epiphany experiences along that rough road, which would give me enough faith to get me to the next one, which would give me enough faith to get me to the next one. And that's kind of how it works sometimes. Sometimes our plans fall apart. But we remember another time that God came through, and that gives us faith to get to the next time. The prayer is, give me the faith today to get me through tomorrow. Give me the epiphany experience today to get me through tomorrow. Because our lives aren't perfect. And our best laid plans fall apart because we're only human. But the beautiful thing about this story with Joseph and the Magi and Mary and Jesus and Moses and Abraham and Rahab the prostitute and Ruth and Naomi, the beautiful thing about their stories is that they're a whole lot like us. And it's a common thing throughout history that God is always with us. God is always with us. That's the epiphany. And so, we keep walking. We don't give up. We trust. Even if it's just a mustard seed amount of trust, we keep trusting. And we know that another epiphany moment is coming we have to be patient sometimes. And in the, in the meantime, that's where we have a faith community whose faith, when we're struggling to have it, the faith of the community keeps us moving. Because I'll be honest, there are days when I'm just fighting to hold on to that mustard seed. But I stand in the back of the room and have a conversation with Matt. And Matt's faith moves me another step. Or I overhear a conversation that happens in the lobby and your faith moves me forward more. So let's keep stepping 
And let's do it in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.